Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Give it a try today. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James, and I am so glad that you were able to join me here this week. It's just me this week. I don't have a cool guest this week like I did last week with Stu G, uh, or Stu Gerard, as uh, you may want to call him, but he's known as Stu G. I think that was a really um, excellent podcast last week. I really enjoyed that a lot. Uh, the sad news is, last week... Um, this is not the sad part of the news, but last week I recorded a great episode on the movie Wonder Woman. There was a lot of depth to it. We talked about some different themes in the film. And I had my old friend and friend of the show, Nick Flora, really great artist out of Nashville, really great podcast host in his own right. Uh, he's such a, a really cool guy and was so much fun hanging out with him. We recorded for about an hour, only to find that after that hour was over that... It did not record. I don't know what happened. Uh, I, I'd never had that happen before in the mode that I was was doing that. Um, don't know if it was operator error. Don't know if there was just a glitch on the computer. Um, but lost to us forever is that wonderful conversation that I had with Nick Flora. Uh, it would have been probably this week's episode. So instead, you get just me. So we're going to try to redo that uh, in a future episode. But we had a, a great conversation um, I'm, I'm sorry, Nick. Uh, I've already told you, you know, right, right after it happened that it happened, and I, I hate it. It makes me sick to think that we don't have that episode to put out into the world, uh, but we'll always have the conversation that you and I had. So thanks for coming on the show, Nick. Hopefully we will do it again in the very near future because I'd, I'd love to, to have you back on the show again. You're always one of my favorite guests. I always appreciate your insights and uh, and just, you know, your, your pop culture-ness. Uh, I'm sure that's not a word. I'm sure that's something I just made up for you. But anyway, we'll try to, to get that uh, going another time. Or maybe we can do like an all-time favorite podcast crossover. That's Nick Flora's podcast. Anyway, I do have a different show today that I want to get on on the ball about here and get moving. Uh, it's been a very busy time for me. I don't know how your summer is going, but mine is just flying by uh every it seems like every little whip stitch i'm traveling i just got back from a weekend being gone i'm getting ready to travel again tomorrow at the same time i'm running rehearsals for a big event we're doing with a couple thousand people here in springfield where we're leading worship at veterans park and it's called when springfield sings uh we've got assemblies for my denomination both on a district level and on an international level that are happening so 
Uh, I'll be heading to St. Mary's this week. I'll be heading to Indianapolis next week and then driving back to Springfield again. And then the traveling, it just keeps going and uh, just seems to be very busy. So I'm trying to work in podcasts whenever I have a chance. And I'm reminded that I need time for Sabbath. And one thing that helps me in those times of Sabbath is to contemplate worship and think about what we're doing. And one thing that I'm getting ready to do in Indianapolis is be a part of the uh, Spirit and Truth Worship Pre-Conference. It's sort of a mini-conference. It lasts about five hours, but uh, I'm going to get to be facilitating some conversations on uh, on worship in various uh, in, in various settings throughout the day. We're going to be at the Indianapolis Convention Center rooms 101, 102, 103, 104, 105, and 106. Um, and it's going to be on, uh, what is it, the 23rd, I think, whatever next Friday is uh, of June. Um, you can register online uh, for only $20 and come be a part of that. And we're going to be thinking through worship things together. Uh, I'm going to be addressing... Uh, hymn writing uh, and rearranging hymns for the church, modernizing them in a way. And Brandon Hancock is going to be joining me to help lead uh, that workshop. And and we're hoping it will be sort of a discussion that we can share in together. And then I'm doing uh, another workshop with Brandon and uh, and another person, Andrea... um, Shoot, that's what I get for not having my notes in front of me. I've not met her, but she is the worship pastor at Nashville First Church of the Nazarene, a very big church in our denomination. And we're going to have a conversation together, the three of us, um, about leading church in a or leading worship in a small church, a mid-sized church, and in a large church, and some of the challenges and opportunities that those things present. And again, we hope to not just be talking heads in front of the room, but to actually facilitate conversations among other ministers. So we're getting ready for that, and as well, Brandon and I and some others are going to be leading music for this as as we begin the conference. So it's going to be a really fun time together. But I've been thinking through worship again. I've been thinking about what it means. It seems like we're constantly thinking about worship on this show, and it's partially because of what I do in my songwriting. But um, I wanted to address something that I've not really addressed much before on this show. I think I've made mention of it a few times in passing, but I haven't dedicated a whole show to it. I want to talk about the fourfold pattern of worship. It it may be a help to us, maybe it's just a help to me, um, to help me kind of find my moments of Sabbath, and to help us really turn those moments, uh, those Sunday moments, into Sabbath times, really helping us to slow down. As I said already, we're in the these, this busy time called summer, and it's really easy to just fly through it and and not take the time that is needed. If we can help our congregations to take the time, to reclaim the time as holy time on Sunday mornings, then we are doing our job, I believe. So I'm going to start today with a brief history of the fourfold pattern of worship, and then going in depth in a little bit more into what it is and maybe how you can facilitate something like this in your local worship. So, without any further hesitation, let's move on. Here we go. Throughout its history, uh, the the Christian church has fairly consistently included four elements in its worship. Gathering, word, table, which also table could just be called response, uh, and sending. So, gathering, word, table, and sending. It's important to remember that the earliest believers were Jews, and even after their conversion, they continued to attend synagogue 
on the Sabbath, Saturday, to study God's Word. And on Sunday, they supplemented their Sabbath gathering with worship services that celebrated the resurrection of Jesus with the Lord's Supper. So, when the beliefs of the early Christians put them at odds with local authorities of Judaism, they combined these two basic liturgical gatherings, the Word on the Sabbath and the Table Fellowship on Sunday, into one service on Sunday. It was the service of Word and Table. So, Word, a very Jewish thing. Table, also a very Jewish thing. But this table was focused around the Lord's Supper the meal that Jesus commanded us to have together whenever we meet for worship. So by the 3rd century, and and this is a quick history, uh, by the 3rd century, the Christian church had added gathering and sending to the elements of word and table. So we had this fourfold pattern of what became Christian worship. It was a gathering, there was the word, there was the table, and there was the sending. And this established this basic fourfold pattern of worship that I want to talk about today. We continue using it today. Now, it's true that throughout church history there has been an unbalancing of this fourfold pattern in different denominations and different occasions. Uh, like, let me give you an instance. In medieval, uh, in the medieval Roman Catholic Church, um, the table came to overshadow the other elements. And as important as we think the table is, and we believe it is the climax of worship, uh, we don't believe the table to be the only element of worship. Um, And so that's one thing that happened in the medieval Roman Catholic Church. Um, The original form of the fourfold pattern, I I don't want to say it's completely gone, because I don't think it is, um, but just that some elements began to overshadow others. Just like in, in Protestant churches, the sermon has become the Protest- the prominent uh, spot in, in almost every Protestant church I can think of, actually. Um, matter of fact, it seems strange to me that the sermon was ever, you know, throughout church history, not the main focus of the service, but, but that's actually something in church history relatively new. Uh, it wasn't always like that, that the sermon was the main thing. Um, and so this this fourfold pattern of Christian worship, the gathering, the word, the table, the sending, is actually designed to help us combat making any one element of the service the most important thing. It's designed to help us not get too caught up in just the music, or too caught up in just the preaching, or too caught up in the table only. There are other elements that are very important that are not only very Jewish, they are very Christian, and they are very essentially Christian. So, in a moment, I'm going to take us deeper into a look at this fourfold pattern of worship that helps us to be balanced out so that we aren't making certain elements of the service overtake other elements. We want to do our best to balance those things out together as we come to worship. Uh, So, we're going to get into that real quick right after a quick word from our sponsor. For you, the listeners of Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Personally, I recommend The Hobbit Unabridged by J.R.R. Tolkien. Hours of fun listening to this great classic. And there are over 180,000 titles for you to choose from and to listen to on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. 
All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head for your free audiobook. You're going to be glad you did. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head and keep on listening. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I'd like to host my own podcast? Well, guess what? You can go to podbean.com slash voices and get everything you need to create, manage, and promote your podcast. I use Podbean every week for Voices in My Head. There's easy uploading and publishing tools, stunning templates, custom domains, social and promotional tools, an embeddable podcast player, monetization tools, and more. It is your all-in-one podcasting solution. With Podbean, you can create professional podcasts in minutes without any programming knowledge. Best of all, everything is mobile-ready right from the start. So go to podbean.com voices. And when you sign up, use the code VOICES and you'll get a sizable discount. Podbean, for your home podcasting. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. Well, before I said a word from our sponsor, it ended up being a word from our two sponsors. So, uh, And I hope you're enjoying uh, having access to those things. I really do believe in Audible.com. I spend a lot of time listening to Audible books while I'm traveling. All right, enough with the commercials. Uh, I'm, I'm moving on with it today. Uh, the fourfold pattern of worship, the general pattern of the church's worship I'm going to discuss today. You can find it in various books. Uh, it's kind of hard to find online, at least it was for me. You can find people writing about it, uh, but it's a little bit difficult to find a really good diagram online that lays it out, sort of like I'm going to try to lay it out for you today. Um, this book uh, that I'm using that, that has it laid out very well, it's written by Marva Dawn, and the book is called How Shall We Worship? It's a small book, uh, but there's a lot of content in it. Uh, it's subtitled Biblical Guidelines for the Worship Wars. Um, I've found this book very helpful and, and had it for a while now, and there's different parts that I tend to go back to and look at at different times. Um, but I think it's a, an important thing for us to look at. Uh, this pattern can be found in a number of books, not just Marva Dawn's books. I would say probably Robert Weber is the one that first made me aware of this pattern in Christian worship several years ago. And probably many of you, if you're familiar with it, if you've read anything by Robert Weber, uh, God rest his soul, he uh, is probably one that, that really brought this to the forefront again for the church to begin taking a look at. It's not something he invented but he did a very good job of diagramming it for the church and helping us to see how it can work. Um, and, and I think it's important. And one reason I, I want to say this is, you know this, many of you have been listening for a while, you've heard me talk about different things, uh, but I do feel like there is an imbalance of, uh, of what we do in worship. I feel like right now the pendulum has swung to the point where when we say the word worship, we think almost exclusively of music and new songs or even a style of music. Uh, I, you know, As much as I love the worship leader conferences that I'm able to be a part of, so much of it just seems to be focused on music and songwriting. Um, now, anymore when I go, I'm thankful to say that there are more workshops and more focuses in on the different elements of worship and not just music, but I think there has been uh, an imbalance for a good while. Now, the nice thing about this pattern of worship, the fourfold pattern, is it doesn't have to conform to any one style of worship. 
Like you could have a very modern, very, uh, you know, reflective service. You could have a very liturgical service. You could have a service that uh, feels very ancient. You could have a service that, you know, has all the bells and whistles and lights and everything else. I mean, it can be extremely modern in what you're doing. But the pattern actually helps us to worship without being imbalanced in those things that we do together. So let me explain to you, and I'm going to try to talk you through uh, what this looks like on a page if you're taking notes, uh, I know you, you know some of you listen to this while you work out or while you drive, so I don't recommend trying to take notes in that case. But if you wanted to come back sometime and take some notes on this, I'm going to explain the element of worship, like from this fourfold pattern that I've been talking about. Uh, the element w- will be starting with the gathering, and then the word, the table, and then the sending. So those four elements... And then we're going to talk about an example of what happens inside that element. And then we're going to talk about why this element is used. So if you wanted to kind of diagram it into three different ways. Um, so like the first element uh, would, would be the gathering, uh, for instance. So we're going to talk about the elements within the element. Okay. So uh, if you had a piece of paper and you wanted to write the gathering at the top and then make like three columns, the first column being the element, the next column being the explanation or the example of this element, and the third column being why this element is used. So, you know, even if you had an Excel spreadsheet or something, it may be helpful for you to have this uh, just to look at in the future. It's been very helpful to me in my worship planning. So the first element, and then we're going to get into the elements within the elements, okay? The gathering, the the first element within the gathering, something that is very important when we come together, is the invocation. We are invoking, uh, the, the example being we are invoking the name of the Father. So we might say something like this, in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we are invoking the Trinity, not just the Father, not just the Son, not just the Holy Spirit, but we are invoking the triune God. So again, the example of the invocation, it could be in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why this is used, your third category, uh, your, your third column, it's, we say this to remember our baptism because it's in that name uh, that we are reminded for whom our worship is and by whom it is made possible. So we gather four the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and it is by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that it is made possible. So again, if you're diagramming this in three columns, you have the gathering at the top for the first element, and then the element within the element is the invocation, the example being in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then why it is used is because it is for and by, you know, it is for this Trinity that we have Uh, have been redeemed, it is for them that we have been made to worship, and it is by them that this worship is possible. Moving to another element within the element of the gathering, something that is terribly neglected in Protestant churches today, confession and absolution. Now, let me give you an example of this. A confession could be something like this. The pastor could say, in maybe a responsive reading mode, Most merciful God. And the congregation could say something like this, We confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. 
we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For this, uh, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. And then the pastor could say, In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you and for his sake. God forgives you all of your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. And the congregation says together, Amen. This confession part of our service, this absolution, uh, just a word that means forgiveness, is a part that is uh, so missing in our services today. Um, churches who don't include this on a regular basis in their part of their services, they realize what a great gift it is when you actually are in a service where absolution is offered and it is declared over you. So it needs to be something when you're praying it together that is general enough that everyone can pray it, but specific enough that it's universal. So it doesn't have to be that particular confession, but we need to be a confessing people. And you notice we do it right up front in the gathering. We invoke the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then we move right into confession and absolution because it is essential. It's necessary. We are sinful people and we need to be forgiven. Why? Well, because we need it uh, for our lives, for the good of our health and our wholeness, but also because worship is just beginning and it helps us to free our hearts as we enter into the worship place so that we can worship freely and in spirit and in truth. And then, uh, I never know if I'm pronouncing this word right, this next element, introit, I-N-T-R-O-I-T. This is simply a, a big way of saying an entrance hymn or a psalm. Now, why we use this element in the gathering is though this might be any hymn, introits, established in earlier centuries, set the, established in earlier centuries, they set the theme for this particular day of the church year. So if you have a particular day, a particular season, a particular feast you're celebrating that day, this entrance hymn, it sort of lays out the theme of why you're doing it. And that's why you have this entrance hymn, the introit, I-N-T-R- O-I-T. I'm certain I'm mispronouncing it. Maybe it's intro it. Uh, it's probably like because it, it comes from the word intro, that I-N-T-R-O. So it's probably intro it, but I, I never know how to say it. And I've never asked anyone. My apologies. Well, we move from invocation to confession and absolution to the intro it and then to greeting. And we will say something like, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And the response is from the congregation, and also with you. The reason we do this, this reminds worshipers that they and their leaders are in community together and with the Trinity. And greeting, in some ways, this could be a good spot. Maybe if your church does a greeting time where everybody stops and greets each other, this would be a great time maybe for you to do that in your service. Like I say, you don't have to have any particular, um, you know, uh, style in doing this, but some churches do it. That's a very important part of our service, that greeting time, that gathering time and fellowship time in our worship, and we try to do it towards the beginning most times, uh, it's a good spot for it. So from the greeting, now remember this is all still part of the first element, the gathering. From the greeting, we move into the sub-element of the Kyrie, 
Kyrie meaning Lord. Prayer for the church and those who worship here. Uh, to each phrase, the people respond often in singing, Lord, have mercy. So you may have uh, a prayer that is offered, and then the people say, Lord, have mercy. Uh, and then you move into the Gloria, the hymn of praise. And this hymn is usually not used in Advent or, Lim, or Lent, which are seasons of penitence, uh, but on the other seasons, uh, they, they are generally used. And then the collect, which is the prayer of the day. It gathers the people into the theme of the day's text and the time in the church year. Uh, many collects are very old and are used globally. Usually they are preceded by the Lord be with you and then the response and also with you. So these different collects, you can find them in things like the Book of Common Prayer. You can actually look them up online if you want to do a Google search and look up, I think if you just looked up collect of the day, uh, you'll be able to find collect. And if you go to sites like textweek.com, they'll be able to show you the collect for the specific day of the year. So that takes takes care of the first element uh, of the gathering. Uh, in that fourfold pattern of worship. So now we move into the Word. Yes, the Word is the second element, not the final element, as we so often make it in our uh, Protestant circles. Uh, we move into the Word, and again, the Word is one of the most neglected parts in Protestant worship. I don't know why it is. We say that we are people of the Word, and we believe strongly in the Word, and we say that the Word is authoritative, and yet we are so guilty of maybe just throwing a little word in here and there and not really utilizing the word for the power of what is there. Things like the lectionary are so helpful because over a time of three years, you mostly get through the entire Bible. Not quite. There's a couple things that's left out here and there, but you get a very good survey of the entire Bible if you go by the lectionary. You're not just kind of going from whim to whim. You're actually having a plan and getting your people through the entire book. Um, so in the Word, the, the sub-element of the Word, the second element, when we do the gathering and then into the Word, uh, the sub-element is the Old Testament lesson. The explanation of the Old Testament lesson is it matches the gospel or sometimes follows a sequence from the same book for several weeks. Uh, often, uh, the reason why the element's used, often it's followed by the word of the Lord, uh, and then the response, thanks be to God. And then, after the Old Testament lesson, remember, we're people of the word, we use a psalm. And you match the theme of the day with the psalm. Uh, sometimes it's read antiphonally or chanted. And then you move into the epistle lesson. Uh, the epistle, again, not a gospel, it's a, a New Testament book. It matches the gospel or the books read in sequence. Uh, it's followed by the refrain, the word of the Lord, and then the people respond, thanks be to God. And then we have the gradual, the next element. An example of this uh, is a song from John six sixty eight, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, Alleluia, Alleluia. Um, a song or a reading that either matches the day in the church year or is a standard refrain that moves the congregation to the first high point of the service, the gospel. So the gospel is the first high point that we are moving to 
And these elements inside of the word are what are getting us there. This is what's taking us to the gospel pronouncement. We've not yet made it there, but we have this proclamation in the gradual, like, Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, Alleluia, Alleluia. You can proclaim it, you can sing it, you can do whatever. But here comes the announcement of the gospel, which is the next sub-element within this. We announce uh, it's announced with the acclamation, Glory be to you, O Lord. And the acclamations are said or sung uh, to accent the gospel as the high point of worship. And the gospel lesson is then followed, um, followed by the acclamation, Praise be to you, O Christ. So the gospel lesson being that's the time when, when you read the gospel passage for the day. And then comes the sermon. Now the sermon is supposed to be based on that Old Testament passage, the psalm, the epistle, and the gospel, uh, maybe one of those four, or maybe the themes of all four of those combined, or something that is thematically brought from those things. But the sermon is to elaborate on that gospel lesson for the day. Usually the gospel should be the focus, the gospel being the good news that we proclaim, but those other passages that we read, the gospel doesn't make sense without the Old Testament. And the Psalms help us to sing out, you know, it helps us to express elements of that gospel. And the epistle is a teaching on those gospel passages. And so it's very important that we have the sermon after this gospel lesson. And the sermon is sort of in the middle of the service, maybe even towards the front, okay? And then there's the hymn of the day. And by the way, the sermon doesn't have to be long. The sermon can be 5, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It can be a short uh, lesson or a devotional. We've, in most Protestant circles, made the sermon half the service. It doesn't have to be that way. Uh, the sermon can be a very imbalanced part of our worship if we're not careful. Uh, we're trying to achieve congregational uh, cooperation and uh, getting congregations to be involved in every aspect of the service. So after the sermon comes the hymn of the day, a response to and application of the scriptures and the sermon. This is a challenge because you're wanting to find a right song to match the gospel and the sermon for the day. And then a confession of the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, a confession of the faith that knits the community together. And then the prayers of the people often uh, often uses a congregational response after the petition. So uh, you could find a response to be read, or you could just ask your people to respond in some way, maybe through a song you could sing together, uh, again after the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. And then the passing of the peace. The people say to each other, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Um, make sure that all the members are reconciled before bringing their offering and coming to the Lord's table. Now, I said before that um, you know the greeting time could actually be up towards the front, but the passing of the peace time is also a very appropriate time. If your church does a greeting time in the middle of your service, instead of just simply, hey, how you doing today, um, you can get your people in the practice of saying, may the peace of the Lord be with you, or peace of Christ be with you. We've just heard this good news. We've just heard this good message. We just sang a song about it. We just proclaimed it in the Apostles' Creed, and now we can say to each other, the peace of the Lord be with you. Peace of Christ to you. And then comes uh, the offering. The offering is gathered, so we bring uh, our money, our tithes and offerings, as we say, 
And then we could sing the offertory. Sometimes you can sing a song like Create in Me a, a Clean Heart, O God, uh, from Psalm 51. Uh, but offering, you know, for me, I think you can use a lot of things for offering. And then there's the offering prayer at that point. Well, then we move into the third element, okay? We're, we've Of the fourfold pattern, we've done two so far. So let's review and make sure we've got them together, okay? There's the gathering, and then there's uh, the word, and then we have the meal, the next high point of the service, really the climax of the service, okay? The thing that actually makes Christian worship Christian and separates it from what Jewish worship was is the meal. So we begin with something like this, the great thanksgiving. And the the pastor may say, the Lord be with you. And the people will say, and also with you. The pastor says, lift up your hearts. And the people say, we lift them to the Lord. And the pastor would say, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And the people would say, it is right to give our thanks and praise. This unites the pastor and the people and points them to the second high point of the service. And then we move to the next sub-element, the preface and the Eucharistic prayer. The preface is appropriate to the season of the year. Uh, many ancient, ancient versions of this prayer have been recovered. It expresses gratitude for all God's actions in history, especially in Christ. So this prayer can change throughout the seasons of the year. Again, there are many excellent resources uh, for a preface to the meal. Uh, if you go in places like textweek.com, then uh, the Sanctus is the next part that we have together here. Um, let me find real quick, if I can, um, the the example of the Sanctus in this book that I am using. If I can find it in the time that I have, I don't want to spend the whole podcast um, looking for the example given. Uh, some parts of this book are not laid out as easily as I would like them uh, to be laid out. Let's see... If I can't find it, we'll just move on, and you'll have to look up um, some readings for the uh, some songs for the Sanctus. All right, we, I may come back to it later. Make this a a note at the end of the podcast. Um, actually, I'm gonna pause it right here so that I can find it. I w- I want you to be able to to hear this. All right, so the Sanctus is is a hymn, by the way. I was just trying to find a a good English example of that. We don't do this very often in our services, which is why uh, I stumbled over it for a moment. Um, But something like, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Glory to thee, O Lord, in the highest. Or you could do something like, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth, are full of your glory. Glory be to thee, O Lord Most High. Um, so the Sanctus, it's it's a hymn uh, from Chalcedonian, or, or is it Chalcedonian? I, I never know how to say it exactly, but Christian liturgy. Um, and it can be called um, the Epi, Epin... I can't pronounce things tonight. Epi, ep, epin... I'm about to say EpiPen. Epinic... Kios, hymnos, okay? I can't say things very well. I apologize for that. But it's a hymn of victory, all right? If we're going to sum up what the Sanctus is. It's a hymn of victory. We are heading to the table. Uh, We are proclaiming the thrice holy Lord. And so this is a a climax point that we are heading to. We don't just go straight to the table. Um, We are preparing our hearts. So, you know, even singing something like holy, 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 
Lord God Almighty, or Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. There are plenty of songs that institute that. And then we move into the words of institution. Our Lord Jesus, on the night uh, in which he was betrayed, took the bread. And, you know, from 1 Corinthians 11, you can go on through the prayer and that. And then we could say the Lord's Prayer as we move towards the table. And the on you stay, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us, Lamb of God. You take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us, Lamb of God. You take away the sin of the world. Grant us your peace. Uh, saying something like the on you stay reminds us that our salvation was costly to Christ and that we need his mercy profoundly. And we move into the participation of the meal then. It's often medita- meditative and hymns are sung during the distribution of the meal. And then some uh, will move into the Nunc Dimittis or something like Simeon's song, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. Your word has been fulfilled or some other post-communion hymn. You can pick several things for after that. Even a song like, you know, mine, the invitation to every daughter, to every son, to every tribe and every tongue. This is the call, the heart of love, the invitation. Although that might be a good one um, maybe for the Sanctus as, as you're moving into that. But now we are finally into the fourth element of the fourfold pattern of worship, all right? The sending. Uh, we have a closing prayer of thanksgiving for the meal that we just had. Uh, by the way, biblically, we say the prayer after the meal, not before. Um, and this expresses confidence in the meal's blessing that we just had. And then we have the benediction, another much neglected thing in our churches that we need to recapture. Uh, it's usually threefold. It's like an era like Aaron's benediction in uh, in Numbers 6, 24 through 26. Uh, you can find it. There are many wonderful, beautiful benedictions straight from the Bible that you can use. Often you'll then have a closing hymn and then a commissioning. And the pastor will say, go in peace, serve the Lord. And the congregation could say, thanks be to God. So there's a lot in that, okay? I went through the fourfold pattern and we went through the different elements within the fourfold pattern. So the elements and the sub-elements, or as I said before, the elements within the elements. Um, it's not necessary, I, I would say, and you, some of you may brand me a heretic for saying this. I don't believe it's necessary that we have to do every single element within those things. But I do find that those four key elements are so essential to us. I think it's very important that we have some sort of um, intentional gathering section of our service, something that gathers us in together, that helps us to aim where we're going. It's like we're pulling the bow back and we're aiming where we're going to shoot that arrow. We're, we're heading in the right direction. And so, and you know, we begin, whether it be the time of confession, whether it be the gloria, whether it be the greeting, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And then we repeat back to each other and also with you. Um, those things are so important as we gather together. The word is incredibly important to recapture a focus on the word in our services. And then the meal. I really believe strongly in the meal um, because it's the, the command that Jesus gave us that when we gather together, we do this in memory of Him. It literally is what makes our worship Christian. I mean, when you think about just like what separates one religion from another, the meal is the thing that separates Judaism from Christianity. It just is. 
we've lost it, and I really feel like we need to recapture it uh, in our services. I know it's not a popular thing to say in Protestant churches, and even in my denomination it's much debated, but it's just a fact of Christian history. It's a part of who we are. It's our identity in Christ. Um, And it also puts the sermon not as the high point of the service and not as the most important part. It actually makes Jesus the most important part. Because Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God is our host at this meal. Jesus is the host of this meal. It is the wedding feast uh, that the, the groom has prepared for the bride. And so we come to the table to be reminded of Him. And then after the meal... Um, the, one of the most important parts, even though it's the shortest part of the service, is the sending, that we send our people out on their way. So even if you don't take all of those sub-elements that I said together, I think that you would find your worship would be much more balanced if even you could take the concept of those fourfold patterns and put them into your worship. The gathering, and uh, you know, just starting there with, with this gathering together and then moving into the element of the Word and the meal, and then the sending. If you think of it just in terms of those four elements, there's a lot of freedom and a lot of leeway that you can go. There's a lot of places you can take your congregation using those things. Uh, Like I say, many of you uh, will will find that if you used every single one of those elements, it would be very restrictive upon your worship. Um, I don't think you have to be so tied in necessarily in your particular context that you have to do every single thing that I just went through today. But I do think having a pattern to help you, um, well, I mean, I just think it's very helpful uh, whenever I'm trying to plan worship, when I'm trying to lead worship for the congregation. You'll notice that while we did mention music in there, music was not the focus of the service. Hopefully, the Lord gathering us together, the congregation gathering under Him Uh, under the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit together. Hopefully those are the things that become essential in our worship if we recapture this fourfold pattern, this very Christian way of worshiping. Well, that's about all I have to say tonight. Um, I I hope that that can help us to recapture some of the Sabbath in our life that we so often are desperately missing. I hope that you know, by having a focus not just on music and not just on preaching and not just in a couple of elements in the service that we tend to include. We we always have a, a liturgy in our services, but it's not always a very strong liturgy. And I think this helps us to be strong in our liturgy. I think this helps us uh, to not be overburdened uh, with parts of the service that we shouldn't be overburdened by, and I think it helps us to have balance and helps us to maintain that balance when we find ourselves gathering together uh, in in some form like this fourfold pattern. Uh, maybe you have a better idea, and if you do, and if that's worked for you, and you've balanced your Christian worship out, uh, that's fine with me. I just think that this can help us, by and large, maybe to do something together in Christian worship. So that's it for today. Uh, Hopefully I'll see you at some of my upcoming events. I have lots of things happening. Uh, Just a quick heads up for those of you that may be interested in in looking into booking me for a concert or some sort of teaching event. Um, I actually am 
in the midst of, of uh, changing the way that I do booking. I had been working with pair booking for some time. Uh, I've had a lot of success with that agency. Um, but it's just come to a point where we need to part ways, I think, and I'm trying to do some different things, just booking directly instead of using an agency. And you can find on my website if you go to rickleyjames.com slash booking. There's a new form that I'm working with where you can make an offer and uh, it goes directly to me instead of through the agency. And I'm trying to uh, make some inroads with that. So if you're interested in booking me, um, go give that a try. Or you can just find it on the main page if you scroll down a little bit at rickleyjames.com. Uh, but I wanted to let you know about that in case any of you have any interest. I would love to come to your church or to your next event. Uh, I'd love to do workshops or weekend revivals or whatever it is that you are planning. And, and if I can be of any help to your local setting, I'd love to be a part of things that you're doing. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. And good Lord willing, I will be back with you next week. God bless. Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com, follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames, like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames, and keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace who raised Christ from the dead, strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen.